Hi, everybody. This is Charlie from the Thriving School Community Podcast, and we have Dr. Dwight Carter on talking about improving school culture. We have to talk about that in order to improve the school mental health crisis, because culture clearly is such an important piece to that. So, Dwight, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Charlie. It's great to see you again. And just one minor correction. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I always Uh, thought you were. I really did. Yeah, I appreciate that. I get that a lot, but yeah. I don't have my doctorate yet. And I say yet because it's been uh, a goal that's been placed upon me to get that one day. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, you know what? So many people, like if if you if anyone knows Dwight, like I just met Dwight. We were speakers at a conference recently in Ohio, and you really do play the role. You really seem like you have a doctorate because of clearly like your knowledge base, but also you're just the way you've climbed up in your district and what you're doing nationally. It's just, it felt very natural. So yeah, you need to get on that track. I think it sounds like. (laughs) I appreciate that. Very, very, very humbled by that. Well, I, I appreciate you being here because you're a wealth of knowledge and you're so humble and it's such a pleasure to talk with you. And so I know our listeners who are in education and they're trying to improve their schools and their districts, their buildings, their classrooms, they're going to learn a ton from you. We're going to talk about your most recent publication, your most recent book about the five principles. So be great. That is your tagline. I love it. You got to tell people where that came from because I loved your story. Um, But the five principles to improve school culture in that's the gist of it, right? So tell everybody, first of all, how you came to that whole be great idea, because it's simple, but there's a reason for it. Yeah. When I, um, um, got my first principalship back in 2005. Um, I went from a an, an high school assistant principal to a middle school principal. Again, that's my first principalship. And typically, you know, all principals have some form of communication go out, be a newsletter, emails, letters in the mail, whatever. Um, I was trying to think about a salutation or, or a, an ending that was more than just sincerely or yours truly or anything like that. Um, so I tried a couple things out and then I just kept it kept thinking about it. And so as I'm driving back and forth to work one day, be great just popped in my head. So I tried it on and uh, for about three, four weeks, thought it was the cheesiest thing ever. Like, what does it even mean? So then I just stopped doing it. Well, within a day or two, one of our, one of my veteran teachers, uh, Kate Lewicki, I'll never forget her because Kate was like, she was a firecracker. She was well-respected in the community. She was loved in the building. Um, students were clamoring to get in her classroom because she was just, she was firm but fair. Uh, she knocked on the door and said, hey, you got a minute? I was like, yeah, come on in. She says, um, we, we, she's speaking on behalf of others. Um, we noticed that you stopped using be great at the end of your emails. Did you get in, get in trouble or something? Mm-hmm. And I kind of chuckled, like getting, got in trouble about like, what do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean I get in trouble? I said, no, I didn't get in trouble. I just thought it was corny and cheesy. She said, not. She's like, I loved it because it was, it was a, it was a reminder for me to just do my best every single day. And it was, it was affirming. I was like, really? She said, yeah, a lot of people feel that way too. I was like, all right, thanks. Thanks for the feedback. And then like two or three days later, I got an email from a parent saying, Hey, you, we noticed you stopped using be great on your newsletters. Like we, I really loved it. Like what happened? So I left it so much, I shared it with my boss and then my boss uses it. So I felt like, okay, I'm on to something here. So from that day on, um, like I said, 2005, that's been my um, my signature. And um, as I matured as an educator and matured as a, as a, as a man, 
I started to really believe or had I started to think, what did, what does that really mean? And so I came up with five principles. And those five principles are be grateful, be relational, be enthusiastic, be authentic, and be teachable. And those came from just things that I that I'm working on or have been coached to think through and, and be more like that way. And so found, relationships are always a strong foundation. So that was the easy one. The other four were just things that I've just been really struggling with throughout my life and try to use those guiding principles to live my life. So that's the origin of the, where Be Great came from. I love it. I love it that you got that validation from your staff and parents. I mean, mm-hmm. it really makes a difference when other people notice it. It's so simple, but it is truly a part of your identity now as an educator right. and a leader. So yeah. that's really neat that it's followed you around. And then you got to write a book <laughs> saying, be great. And then leading into these five principles. Yeah. So Dwight, let's talk about the first principle. We'll kind of just break down briefly each of the five principles. And that way leaders who are listening can actually have some tangible strategies to take back to their own buildings and districts. And and again, educators in their own classrooms. So the first one, let's dive into the first one. Can you name it again? And then just give a couple strategies about how to do it. Yeah. The first principle was be great. Um, Excuse me, be grateful, which means just showing appreciation and, grati- and gratitude for the things you, you um, intangible and tangible things that you receive. So uh, appreciation, um, acknowledgement, and then um, thankfulness for that. Gratitude is a simple gesture, and I will say um, a simple act, but we rarely do it um, on a consistent basis. And uh, it, it, so the subtitle of the book is Five Principles to improve school culture from the inside out. Mm. And I want to emphasize that because we typically look for other people to change rules, regulations, policies, or do something different to improve the school culture. We have to like flip that around and look in the mirror and say, okay, what am I bringing to the table that will improve the culture that I want to create? Because culture is defined as the consistent norms, beliefs, values, and behaviors that adults model consistently. We typically think students need to improve the adults in the building. Every single adult has an impact and can influence the culture. So that's why it's a focus on inside out. So being grateful is really simple. And I I say don't have an attitude of gratitude, have a practice of gratitude. Because practice means your behavior is showing showing up and improving the culture and the climate. So a couple of simple strategies. Let's say you're a building leader. And I'll give you an example that I used when I was a um, high school principal and I, that I still do today. Um, when I was a high school principal, I bought like a large bag of these gold gold lapel stars, you know, pins and had some personalized cars like with our, our logo on it. And then every few weeks, very randomly, I didn't have a set time. I would just write, you know, 10, 12 thank you notes, hand them out to specific people um, with their name on it or put it in their mailbox. And inevitably, I would see people wearing those stars on their lanyards or their name tags. And I had one one teacher, he's a choir teacher. Um, he said, I'm a five star general. I was like, why do you say that? And he showed me his lanyard. He had five gold stars for me. <laughs> and that was back in like 2009, 2010. And he still has those to this day. Um, so the more gratitude I showed and expressed to my staff, the the, the more they were appreciative of their students and they had a very positive culture in their classrooms, which then had a, it, you know, kind of permeated throughout the the building. Mm -hmm. And let me just say here too, Dwight, what's important is that you did handwritten notes with each one of those. So it wasn't just 
here's a pin. There was significance behind it. And the fact that you took time to do that, it did make them feel seen. And that is huge. That's what our staff needs. And also for our listeners, we have a virtual summit coming up at the end of August. Um, So it's August 29th and 30th of 2023. And Dwight is going to be a speaker and he's going to talk, his whole talk is on gratitude and showing gratitude with even more tips. So please make sure you sign your staff up for that. It's totally free. Go to thrivingschool.org to check that out because I want everybody to understand the importance of gratitude. There's tons of evidence, like tons of evidence to show how much it does make not only us feel better, but it also makes us perform better. And that's really important in our schools. So thank you so much for sharing that, Dwight. Is there anything else you want to say about gratitude before we move on to the next principle? Absolutely. I want to make sure I want to, I want to share this point. Um, we typically have about 70,000 thoughts a day. The average person has about 70,000 thoughts. 80% of those thoughts are negative. So that's like 56,000 negative thoughts from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. And most of those negative thoughts are, are just subconscious. Um, the moment you get up till you go to bed, it could be traffic, it could be, um, you know, something you're anticipating, a meeting or a phone call, um, it could be an ache in your body. You, you complain or have a negative thought about that. Out of that 80%, 95 are on a continuous loop. 95% is on a continuous loop. Mm-hmm. So think about um, a motorcycle um, or a trail, a bike trail. Um, it, there's a rut and people who follow that rut will stay along that trail our negative thoughts are just like that. We just subconsciously are in that rut. So to break that rut and to break that cycle, we have to show gratitude. It's the easiest way to lead to happiness. Easiest thing you can do to, have to, 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 to increase your level of happiness is to show and increase your level of gratitude. And it could be, again, as I mentioned, you can write a note to someone being very specific of what you're grateful for. Uh, you can journal, you can meditate and pray, you can think you know, think positive thoughts about other people and, and, and be grateful for in that manner. But I would say move it from your mind to your to your hands and your heart and take action. That way you will see an increase in, in, in how you feel throughout the day. And just as negativity is contagious, so is positivity. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that. That's so good. It, it makes it so tangible. It makes it it makes me want to actually do it more just because you gave me the information, but also um, it does make it me feel better because Mm -hmm. I I love that you said, take it as a thought, but make that turn that thought into an action because the thought itself actually does make the change, but Mm -hmm. you're right. Then when you take the action, it's, it's making new neural connections and what it does for your staff Mm -hmm. um, or anybody around you is it makes them want to be in that energy space together too. So I yeah, love that. Yeah. And, and we yeah. have to, it's a, it's imperative that we show gratitude towards our educators today. Um, there's an immense amount of pressure. Um, there's a hyper change that's happening. Um, there's a lot of conflict and divisiveness. Um, teachers are scared to, to do their jobs for a number of reasons. Um, and, and so they're in their, you know, we as educators are sometimes in our, fight, flight, or freeze mode, and we can't perform in that way effectively. And so as leaders and just as as colleagues and peers, recognize what other people are doing and show gratitude, um, especially if it's aligned up to your your district or your building's core beliefs and core values. That way it's specific and you're reinforcing 
um, the behavior that you want to see. And you're acknowledging that each person has truly has an impact on the culture of the building because they're working on themselves and other people are seeing that. Mm. That's so important about the aligning to, um, to what the core values of your district are, your building are. We trying not to be too specific here, but I was a part of a district where the tagline was you matter. And I loved it. I thought it was great. You matter. But what happened over the course of a couple of years, because some things happened, um, staff kept saying, I don't matter. I don't matter. The students matter. That's all they care about. And I was like, wow, blown away. So there was a lot of negativity that brewed from that. And, you know, we just have to be cautious about where does that come from? Mm -hmm. But if staff don't feel like they matter, then they're going to show up in a different way. So it's important that you're saying all of this. Absolutely. Good. Okay. Awesome. All right. What's the second principle? Let's dive into that. The principle is um, the R in great, which means relational. And and relational just means the way two or more people are connected. And so as as we think about relationships, everybody in education talks about the foundation of education are positive relationships. But rarely do we speak specifically on how to go about establishing those relationships. And it's not complicated at all. It's fairly simple. It's just like you create that sense of belonging by making sure people are seen, heard, validated, and treated fairly. Mm-hmm. And that last part is important. Yeah, um, we have to treat every person, every person in our in our influence, our sphere of influence, um, fairly. Unfair treatment is very visible, and 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 then people see it, and then they start to fear like I'm going to that's going to happen to me too. That's a that's a violation in the relationships. So here are some couple th- a couple things you can do to establish positive relationships. Call people by their name correctly. Look people in the aisle, in the eye, greet them with a handshake, high five or hug, fist pump, whatever, and then ask them something personal about themselves or acknowledge something personal about themselves. So if you're a classroom teacher, you stand at the door and I give you four principles at the door. So four at the door. I got this from Tom Cody from Top 20 Training. Eye to eye, hand to hand, heart to heart. And... um. Mouth to mouth doesn't mouth to me doesn't mean it just mean you're saying stuff you're acknowledging them. Mm-hmm. What that means is if you see some see a student walking in and they're in a in the choir, you can say, "Hey, I heard you had a great performance last night, or I saw your 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 concert uh, last week and you did a phenomenal job." Or if you know they have a sporting event um, that past weekend or that the night before, say, "Hey, how did the game go?" Or you know, how how's your dog? Ask them something specific about themselves, and it takes less than a minute. Truly, it takes less than a minute. Yeah. And then those small moments on a consistent basis creates that safety and that trusting, trusting uh, emotion and then that sense of belonging that deepens the relationship, which will then increase the level of achievement in your classroom or, or in your school building. Mm-hmm. If you're a building principal or a school leader, have conversations with, with people about them doesn't have to be about the work, but about them. So when I was a building principal, I would con- consistently use the time in the morning, just walk around. I would pick a part in the building, walk around, and just say hi to everyone in that building or stop in and have a conversation. I had to read the room. Some people was like, hey, I'm, I'm really busy right now. So it was a quick wave and a hello. I was able to read that. I didn't interrupt. Others were very welcome and say, hey, come on in and have a conversation. So that way I wasn't intruding on someone who needed the space, but that was me knowing that person. Yeah, you know, so cool. having that having that relationship 
um, or that that those creating those connections. And that way, if something does violate the relationship, if something does um, negative, if something negative does happen, or you have to do uh, give some negative feedback or a reprimand or, or you know a critique in some fashion, you have a lot more positive deposits. And then, then that negative withdrawal won't sting as much and you can move on and move forward, not move on, but move forward. And so uh, making sure you're open to relationships, but also you are um, asking questions and then listening, actively listening to what other people are saying, gather that information as, um, again, information about that individual and then to bring that bring that bring that back up to them at some point to show that hey I was I, I was listening to you I value you as a person I want to create that connection when that connection is there people feel more feel more valued when they feel more valued they there's a greater sense of belonging when there's a greater sense of belonging there's um, a high level of contribution hmm. wow that is true the contribution piece yeah all of it and then when you have those really tough conversations they trust you. And so mm -hmm. they're more receptive, aren't they? And they'll actually internalize it much, much better um, yeah. to learn and grow with you. Yeah. yeah. If they know you have your back. Yeah. Cause they see it. And I'm, this is from experience. Just when I was on the receiving end of some negative feedback or some constructive criticism, I was able to take it as a coaching opportunity, but not as a critique on my, my character mm -hmm. because of the relationship that I had with that individual. If it came some, from someone who I had a negative relationship with or didn't have a relationship at all, it's easy. it was easy for me to take that personally and look at, you know, I'm a bad person as opposed to my behavior is bad. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And yeah. the attack on the character piece, that making it personal, you're right. It, it's not personal if you know the person is, is coming there to support you and help you grow. Yeah. 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 And you're right. The only way you do that is if you establish that. But you're giving tangible tips again on how to establish the relationship, which you're right. We got to stop saying, just go build the relationship. People are like, I don't know how sometimes, or I'm yeah. so overwhelmed. I'm yeah. too tired. Well, I don't have time. Too. You know, I don't have time for that. Well, yeah, you do. It's just small moments, just small moments at a time, consistently um, positive, consistent, positive, small moments at a time builds those positive relationships because you're building that level of trust. Great. Yeah. That's doable. I mean, the small yeah. steps, that's yeah. doable. And just one thing at a time, right? Like yeah. you said, go check in on them. Just go mm -hmm. check in. I love that. That's great. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into the E. The E is yes. next. The E uh, is be enthusiastic. Hmm. And now well, that's hard when people yes. are feeling overwhelmed. Talk it to is, us about it that. Is. But, but enthusiasm, again, we, it's, it's come to believe it, it. I'm sorry. It's come to be known as an outward expression of emotion. You know, you can be enthusiastic about it, your team. You can be enthusiastic about uh, yard work. You can be enthusiastic about, um, you know, a lesson that you're teaching or a staff meeting or a conference that you're going to. That's that is an outward expression of emotion. Some people aren't that expressive. So I went to the root of the word, and the root of the, the root of the word enthe, uh, enthusiasm is entheos, which means inspired or a uh, God-inspired purpose. So for me, enthusiastic, be enthusiastic is less about emotion and more about do you know your why, like realigning to your why, realigning to your purpose. And so that way um, we can look at the work that we do and ask ourselves, is what I'm doing aligned to my purpose in life? And if it is, can focus on, OK, how can I improve my level of gratitude 
through through establishing relationships. That way I can align to my purpose and, and be more involved and engaged in my work. Especially now because we're getting so much information from outside. We take a lot of information in. It's hard not to internalize that. But we got to ask ourselves, like, why did I become an educator? And how can I return to that original belief? Even though I'm not the same person I was, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, two years ago, I know more, I'm a more experienced, but I still want to be an educator. So align your, your, your behavior to your purpose. How you do that is you tap into your creativity. Some people say I'm not creative. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody is. And so it, it just depends on what that creativity looks like. Is it through art? Is it through writing? Is it through um, um, song, dance, music? Whatever that, that creative outlet is, it could be building and, and designing something. Return to that creativity, which then helps you, reinfor reinforces you as an individual, and then you can realign with your purpose. Eliminate distractions or reduce distractions. Eliminate is really hard, but reducing distractions. A distraction is simply that is something that just gets you off task on what you need to be doing. It could be social media. It could be some form of technology, but it also could be um, your negative thoughts. That's a distracting a distraction too. It also could be a negative person. That's so we so got to think of, yeah. So we got to think about how do we remove, uh, reduce distractions in our lives so that we can realign with our purpose. Uh, a, a third step you can do is seek out help. And I'm a strong advocate of, of mental health counseling. I'm not ashamed of that. I, I go I go to I see my counselor once a month, just like I go to my doctor every six months for a checkup. I work out every day. I try to watch my water intake, try to eat, eat right. So I want to take care of my physical health. I take my mental health that seriously as well. Love and it. so that's another thing you can do to just help you remove some of those distractions, realign with your purpose, seek out counseling. That's great. Yeah, I can. I mean, I'm a therapist. And so I completely yes. I get that. And I see a therapist I yeah. had, you know, there's times in my life where there's some big traumas that have happened. And I think we all have some degree of that, right? And mm -hmm. so there are times when you need that person. And then I love how you said the maintenance, because I'm in that same position now, everything's going pretty well, but the maintenance once a month, it's, it's a good check-in because what they do is that's the only person truly, even if you're, you know, you've got a partner, it is truly the one person who is there for you and to help you sort your stuff out. And it is incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's a great outlet. And so I, I love that you say that and give kind of people permission to do that as a way to help with um, the whole, the whole aspect of health, the whole body experience, because it will help with all the other areas of life. So thank you for saying that. It's important that we all understand no problem. it. And I'll speak specifically to my demographic. I'm an African-American. I'm a black male. Mm -hmm. And typically, traditionally, stereotypically, whatever you want to call it, um, black male men especially, especially have not and do not go to counseling. Mm. That's changing, though. That's changing quite a bit because it was viewed as being weak or, or passive. But now it's a sign of strength because you're acknowledging I need help and I'm going to seek out help. Help That takes courage, bravery, strength, and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So now I, several of my friends, we talk about it openly. Now we don't get into the nitty gritty of what we talked about with our therapist. However, we do talk about the fact that we do go and, you know, we show love to each other. We, we hug each other. We tell each other we love you. 
um, because that's that's a need that we have and it's okay and safe to do that. Um, and so taking that to the school level, many schools are um, hiring uh, social workers because there's such a growing need for that. And now we're in the post-pandemic world. Students aren't the same as they were before the pandemic. However, we're not the same mm. now that we were before the pandemic. And we have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. It was a traumatic experience in a number of ways for a lot of people. I mean, traumatic in terms of an isolation, traumatic because, you know, they people may have lost a loved one or loved ones, traumatic because their job changed, traumatic because their income changed. It was traumatic in a number of ways. It takes a long time to recover from that. And so returning and then you start to question, am I doing what I was supposed to be doing? Am I do I still love my position? Do I still love being an educator? I would venture to say, yes, you do. You just don't like the way it's being done. Yeah. And, and, and to change what's being, how it's being done, change, change behavior, change beliefs, and then focus on, focus on self so that you can again realign with your purpose and then return to the love that you had when you first became an educator. Hmm. And it's important you say that too, Dwight, because the system will always have flaws, whichever Absolutely. system we're in, right? So you because can- it's, it's a system of humans. Is this, yes. Humans are flawed. That we're not. None of us are perfect. So we are. What? <laughs> yeah. So if a system is grand, created, designed by people, it will have flaws in it. But that's why you have levels and layers, and 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 opportunities to seek feedback, make changes, realign strategic plans, set goals. Because again, we see that in review data, um, we see that there's some things that need to change. That's just that's just a part of being an educator. That's great. When you turn it on yourself, listen, yeah. you've got power and mm-hmm. people feel helpless, but they're not. So great yeah. message. Great message. Okay. What's the A? The A is be authentic, which means you're just who, understanding who your true self is. And that is very challenging for a number of people. That was one of my greatest challenges, which is why it became a principle. I've, I've always had a desire to be my authentic self, but through a number of events throughout my early childhood, um, teen years, and even high school, or, you know, early college, I I noticed I was becoming what everybody thought I should become, and I was losing myself in the process. Hmm. So quick little story. Yes, please. I have, I have, I have a, um, an older sister and a twin brother. My older sister, she's always been like just strong, uh, fierce, uh, artistic, um, just bold, and so that's how she's lived her life. She is thriving now. She's, you know, she's a she's a muralist and she does um, um, this, a wearable art and her community is exploding. I mean, she's she's like living her best life right now because she's really being her authentic self. Awesome. Honor that. You know, I really honor that. My twin brother, Dwayne, he and I were like thick as thieves. We were we did everything together. We dressed alike at the same. We did everything together in our early years. And so if you if you have a sibling, you know that people always label children in the family. So my sister was called the mean one. She wasn't mean, but that she, you know, she heard her facial expression. Um, so she was the mean one. So she became mean in some regards. Mm-hmm. Self-fulfilled prophecy. Mm-hmm. My brother was the outgoing one. Everybody called him Sunshine. Huge personality, likable, popular, athletic. And he had it all growing up when we were kids. So he became the popular one. And then I had glasses, crooked teeth. I was shorter than him, I was smaller than him. So I became the quiet one. 
So that's how that's how they labeled me. So that's what I became. Becoming the quiet one, it um it stopped me from using my voice. Mm-hmm. And so throughout my life, especially early on, family members would when they especially our cousins, they would see me, but they would ask about him. Mm-hmm. They constantly it, it became a point where I said, look, if you can't acknowledge me, mm-hmm. I'm done with you. Yeah. It took one more time and I was like, I'm out. I, I you, you you don't you don't see me. You see me as a shadow of somebody else. I can't live my life like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a, I was struggling through, you know, becoming who is Dwight? Understand who's who's Dwight and who's Mr. Carter? Because my wife said I had two personalities. <laughs> Mr. Carter is a professional. Dwight was a you know fun loving personal guy. So understanding um, who I am as an individual helped me to become a better educator. So here are some tools to help that help me understand and learn who I am. The first one was the, um, well, first it came through a lot of prayer, a lot of fellowship, um, a lot of study, you know, to understand who am I as an individual. Second thing, and this is something that's in more recent history, is the VIA character surveying. VIA stands for values and action. So it's a bunch of, a lot of, a group of, um, I guess, psychologists, therapists, researchers who research a lot of documents and, 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 um, defined there's 24 characteristics that every person on the face of the earth has has so and so you take this survey and it spits out a report of the 24 characteristics the top five to seven those are your signature strengths the middle are the middle strength that support the signature strength and the lesser strengths are the strengths that you undervalue or you, you underutilize or you just don't acknowledge that you have them and if you do use them it takes a lot of energy um so you have to recover so once I, I took that assessment, I started to like reevaluate my life, reevaluate my life professionally and where I was thriving the most, they, those values like popped out. So perspective, love of learning, um, those are the top two. Um, um, I said passion for learning. Uh, like I said, um, I said perspective, love of learning um, and also gratitude and forgiveness. So in my role, fits perfectly. The role I'm doing now fits perfectly to my strengths. And so I'm I'm in my the best position I've been in professionally in a long time. I also did the uh, color personality, like what's your color? Um, looking at those descriptions, they align perfectly with my signature strengths. And so again, those are tools that you can use to, to figure out who are you as an individual and then are 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 those characteristics aligned? Are you are you behaving in a way that is aligned with those characteristics. And most of the time you are. And so that, that helped out quite a bit. And so, and they're easy to do. They're, they're free. Um, And I've taken them several times and signature strengths may have shifted from like one to three or five to to two, but the top five to seven never shifted from five to seven down to 20 through 24. It's just because those are my, my natural, um, natural characteristics. Hmm. It helped to validate that for you. That was helpful. Yeah. Yep. So people who may be struggling within their role in education, they may need something to kind of just check in and, and realign back to that maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's great. Is there somewhere they can get that from you or a tool that you get from you? Again, it's all online. Just uh, Google search VIA character survey. It'll come up. Okay. And then in the, in the opening page is a big yellow tab on the far right that says take survey. Just click on that. 
Awesome. If you take the color test, um, go to, uh, I think, mycolor, mycolor.com. Mm -hmm. And it's color, the, the British spelling, C-O-L-O-U-R. Right. Right. Uh, type that in and then just follow the prompts. Don't click the green button that says take test because that takes you to the paid version. Just continue to scroll down and you, you should see like three or four questions. That's the test you should take. Um, but you have to choose um, what's my color because there's five tests you can take. So just click. No, it's, it's um, the color test. Just click on that and then follow the, the directions from there. And it's fun. We just, we just, I just took my, our leadership team through this. It was a fun activity. Um, so we got to understand how each other operates. And there was some like obvious alignment, like, yep, this, I figured it. And the others like, man, I'm, I'm surprised. What we learned the most though, is that everybody has all four of those colors. It's just some are stronger than others, depending on the situation and circumstances. So it's, you know, your blue, orange, green, or yellow. Nice. And thanks for giving us a free version of that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a fun little thing to do. I love that. That's great. Most people like to check that out. Yeah. Good. And okay. Then, no, go ahead. Uh, and that authenticity ties directly to uh, being enthusiastic because again, through counseling and, and therapy, you, you're able to unpack and unlearn some things that no longer benefit you. And that way you can truly become the person that you um, desire to be based on your your purpose. So it kind of provides, not kind of, it does. When you become your authentic self, all of the, um, all that weight that you were carrying to try to be something you weren't, yeah. it's kind of, you kind of shed that. And that way you can then be in, in enthusiastic because you're inspired and that comes from within. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And okay. then you can, you can build stronger relationships with other people because you know who you are. Once you build those strong relationships, you now have specific things you can show gratitude towards. Wow. I love it's how all, it's all linked. Yeah, it's all linked and you can reverse engineer it and you see it's all linked. Also, and this is, I want to say this last point before we move on. Um, being authentic is truly about living a congruent life, meaning your head and your heart are aligned. A lot of depression and anxiety comes from being incongruent where your head and the heart aren't aligned, but you still try to force that to happen. You can only do that for so long. You can only fake it for so long before you just you just you're just exhausted. And then you start to isolate. And then that leads to like some you know negative thoughts. Your head and heart have to be aligned in order to be your be your true self. If that doesn't happen, um, you won't be as successful and you'll truly ha you'll have a negative influence on the culture that you want to create hmm. because you're you feel like you can't show up um as you want to and as you need to and, and uh, be in your best on that. That specific day every day. Wow. That's important. Wow. That's really good. Okay. And we still get to have one more principle left. What's the T then? So the last principle is be teachable. And that just means you have a willingness and openness to learn. And that one's probably one that is the easiest for me. Um, because again, one of my character strengths is um, love of learning. And so as educators, we love to learn and we all we also through learning become teachable. And so you know the best way to learn learn something is to teach it. Mm -hmm. And so you know how you how do you how do you become more teachable? Uh, reduce your ego to know that I don't know everything. Um, I can seek or I can get help from other people. Um, another thing you can do is uh, again re review your goals. What do you want to establish? Why do you want to um, establish those things? And what skills do you know? 
or what skills do you have and what skills do you need in order to accomplish those goals? Then you seek out people who can help you in that area. Another thing you can do is just ask a lot of questions and listen objectively. We have, an, we have a tendency because of time crunch, we listen to respond. We don't always listen to understand. And so we just got to shift it, like be um, non-judgmental when you're listening. Don't try to figure out what, what the next step is. Just really ask the question and just sit back and really listen to what the person is saying and take it in what the person is saying. You can repeat back some of the things that the person is saying just so that you can take it all in. And then you can apply that knowledge and say, oh, no, I don't need this right now. I'll save it for later. But if we have a, a, a belief and a um, an understanding to live our lives in a state of continuous improvement, we'll always be open to growth and challenges. Hmm. Wow. Again, very, very powerful. What about when you're leading others and there's pushback for growth? They don't want to grow. What do you do? There's always, there's always going to be pushback because, and I learned, we learned this from, and I say we as our leadership team, we read, um, uh, the advantage by the advantage by Patrick Lanchoni talks about organizational health and something a, a line that he stated early in the book stuck with me and it stuck sticks with me to this day. Um, change is easy. Transition is hard. Hmm. Change is easy. Transition is hard because transition is emotional. You have to let things go. And you have to you have to pick up new things. All transitions are very hard. It could be personal, it could be private, it could be professional, it could be mental, it could be physical. All transitions are hard. Yeah. So if you're asking, if you're a leader and you're asking someone to change their practice that they that they that they that they're accustomed to, they're 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 um, strong in, but it may not get the results that are desired. We typically look at the the students or the people that were given those strategies to as the cause to why they're not working. But again, to improve the culture from the inside out, you look at look at self and seek um, get that feedback. So how to fight through resistance? You model the things that you want to, see, want to see people do. You affirm, like look at their assets. What do they bring to the table? And then you walk alongside them. And you're always going to have, you're always going to have a group of people who just resist. You got to move on. And so one of the things I would say is, and I said this to my staff at one point, if you don't like or want to do this, that's fine. Just don't block anybody else from doing it. Because hmm. eventually that becomes, the, that group becomes the outlier. And this just through peer pressure and everybody else is doing it, they'll simply, they'll get on board. Um, again, you'll never have 100%. So don't, don't have that goal. If you get 80% on board, you're moving forward because the 20, 20%, they'll either get on board or they'll find somewhere else that aligns with what their, their values are. But again, you're right. It's not easy. You're going to face resistance. Yeah. No, it's good to address that though. It's good to, yeah. to, to address that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So there's so much, um, yeah. so much that you cover here. I just want to make sure I know that you've done other books too. And you talk about better having better even school and classroom design and leading schools during disruption um, or disruptive times i know you wrote that and surviving hyperchange you called it and you kind of mentioned it earlier um, is there anything else dwight that you think people and leaders and educators school counselors instructional coaches anybody who's listening in that has an impact on improving 
school culture and really the the state of mental health in our schools. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention here now? Yeah, uh, model um, model steps to take care of your mental health. Acknowledge that you know it is okay to again seek counseling or therapy. It's also imperative that we physically take care of ourselves physically. Um, we oftentimes let ourselves go because we're so stretched to the to the max, and we burn candles at both and all the you know metaphors of, of being exhausted. But we also have to like change the culture of um, grinding to you. There's no more or, or or wearing a badge of the exhaustion like a badge of honor that's not a badge of honor it's, it shows a lack of time management mm-hmm. and maybe a lack of focus um right. and so kind of get rid of the martyr the martyr attitude it's like no i have to take care of myself first so that i can then be my best for the people that i'm serving so how do you do that physical activity 20 minutes a day every day everybody has 20 minutes mm-hmm. Everybody has 20 minutes. So it can be walk, jog, ride, um, exercise, stretch, something. Drink a lot of water and then get rest. And that rest could be, again, you're taking a mental break or you're actually going to sleep. But those three things are so important for our mental health. And we have to, again, take it as mental health doesn't, it doesn't mean you have an illness all the time. Mental health just means you have to take care of your mind, your emotions, just as much as you take care of your physical body so that we can be, you can be your best for everybody else. I love it. That's fantastic. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Truly. Thank you so much. If anybody would like to get your book, the Be Great Five Principles to Improve School Culture from the Inside Out, that's super important. Where do they get that, Dwight? Uh, You can go directly to Amazon. Um, Just type in the title and it'll pop right up. So, and I thank you in advance for purchasing the book. You'll, you'll, you'll hear, you'll read a lot of personal stories and I have some amazing contributors that share um, how each principle, um, they use each principle to guide their lives or how, how, or how it's had an impact on their profession. That's great. And you also speak, like, I know you're a busy guy and you, you do work for a district at the district level, but you do get out there and speak because this message is important. And I know you work with districts. So how could they reach you if they want to get in touch with you to bring you into their schools? Yeah. You can email me at Mr. Dwight Carter at gmail.com, or you can go to my blog at Mr. Carter's office. Um, it just type Mr. Carter's office. I forgot the, the uh, last part, but yeah. So g- email Mr. Carter, uh, Mr. Dwight Carter at gmail or my blog, Mr. Carter's office. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I just can't wait to stay in touch with you. We've got so much more to talk about. My goodness. I appreciate you, Charlie.